Hello and welcome to The Mock Review with Ben and Drew. I'm Ben Garmo. And I'm Drew Evans. Today on the podcast, we're talking about the second week of regionals results. And, you know, Drew, last week we had a couple moments where we stopped and paused and thought, uh, this has been a pretty crazy week of regionals. Uh, I don't think we really knew what we had in store for us in week two, but I think it's fair to say that in terms of absurdity, week two topped week one. Would you agree? I think you summed it up pretty well. I think that to to simply say that we paused uh, this week doesn't sum up how I felt getting some of these tab results. Um, I think that the one that has most people talking that we'll obviously get to is is Yale. But I think that there were a couple that kind of went under the radar that people maybe didn't pay as much attention to just because we're focused on the team that has made the final round for the last two years, not getting, or for the last four years, sorry, not getting their A team out of regionals. Um, but uh, accompanying Yale in that boat, we have four teams from nationals last year that didn't make it out in Washington and Lee, Georgia State, of course, Yale, and then Rochester. And then there also are two other teams that were in the top 50 um, TPR that also didn't make it out in Washington and Lee and Boston University. I think that, I mean, that's six teams and there are others that definitely should have made it out, but just at its core, I mean, those are six teams that were basically what people would assume are the top, top types of teams. And for them to not make it out just goes to show that no one has a free walk through regionals. And it shows that really any team can make it out. So for the teams that have one more week coming, you know, don't sleep on anyone. And if you think you've, you know, you made it easily, don't sleep well. Get to work. <laughs> don't sleep well. I feel like that's my autobiography from like <laughs> August to April. But uh, no, you're right. I mean, I gave that speech to my kids tonight. I was like, you know, hey, if you think you're good enough to get out, cool. If you think you're going to get out without a problem, go work harder because, you know, and, and we should talk about Yale in more detail um, when we get to that specific regional. But it just, this time of year, you can't count on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can usually assume that certain teams and certain programs are going to be in the running at the end. Uh, and, you know, Yale still might get an open bid and Yale C got through. And it's not like we're, we've heard the last of Yale this year or something <laughs> like that. But this league that we play in, for lack of a better, I guess, analogy, is increasing every year in the amount of competitive teams, just the amount of teams, which adds an element of randomness, and the level of parity. Yep. You know, you're getting more former competitors who are coming back and coaching. You're getting programs who are getting access to more funding as the, you know, as more of the country gets involved in this activity. And you cannot just count on having the same level of success that you've had in the past. There are some great programs just in the, in the DMV, in the area that I'm very familiar with who were, you know, top finishers at nationals in the last couple of years who have fallen off significantly. And then there are rising powers as well. And you just, I just don't think anything is predictable. And I think this weekend showed us that more than anything else. Yeah, it's really, really true. So I think that people really seem to enjoy the structure that we did last 
week on the first week of regionals. So we're going to begin by doing a pretty similar structure. So uh, we're just going to start out in alphabetical order with Chapel Hill. Uh, Chapel Hill had seven bids. First, Liberty A, then Georgetown A, then North Carolina A, then George Washington A, then Duke C, then Florida E, and finally American A. Uh, ben, I think that this was definitely surprising in some ways, not so surprising in others. Chapel Hill was definitely one of those regionals that had a really, really dense pack of, of strong DC area-ish programs right. that are are normally pretty, pretty good. And, you know, Washington and Lee didn't make it out of this region, but what, what were your thoughts? Yeah, so I think the Big thing that stands out. So there are a couple things. First of all, just a shout out to Florida for getting an E team through. I mean, that's just always they're one of maybe three or four programs in the country that, you know, have an E team here and there. And to get an E team through is just a really impressive accomplishment. And it speaks to the depth that they have. Uh, you know, we compete against Washington and Lee frequently. I, I know their coaches and they're a great program. They do a really good job with what they do. And, and, you know, they had a CS of 20, so it, it wasn't like one of the insanely high CSs that we see, but it's still pretty high. Uh, and that certainly had something to do with them uh, not getting out, not really being in contention for an open bid. And that's too bad. They're they're a very good program. I'm sure they'll be back. Uh, but I think that was the main thing that stood out. You had, you know, Liberty A going 8-0, which was certainly uh, unexpected. But then you just had your traditional, I mean, I mean, we in the last couple of weeks have scrimmaged GWA and American A. We hit them all the time. Uh, Georgetown A as well. Not surprised that any of those teams got through. They're very, very good. Uh, same with UNC and, and Duke. I mean, Duke C, but Duke's a very deep program. So I think aside from Washington and Lee, and then I guess Liberty, those were really the only things that stood out here. You have a lot of really great programs that are just setting up for those Southern orcs to just un unsurprisingly to be a bloodbath. Yeah, and I think that you're – it's really interesting because to me, I was really impressed by how many of those teams that made it out and some of those top teams played each other and still managed to make it out. Like they, These teams just really did not sneak by in my opinion. I, I think that there were a lot of, of close rounds, a lot of splits. Um, to me, this was a region that was characterized by that, um, and I think that it it's – to me was one of those regionals that I looked at and said, wow, I really do not want to be there because I didn't see a, a viable path where you didn't play at least one or two of those teams that, in my opinion, deserves to be at Oryx and deserves to have a, a very good shot at Nationals. These are really good teams. Like you said, I, I go up against a lot of these teams. Um, they're in our area and they're, they're really solid. So props to all of them that did. Uh, they all really deserved it for sure. Yeah, I very much agree. Uh, so moving forward to Columbus, which is the next regional on our list. That was a seven-bid regional. In order, you have the University of Illinois, Chicago, A, Penn State, A, Ohio State, B, Patrick Henry, A, Ohio State, C, Patrick Henry, B, and Penn State, B. And Drew, this was an interesting regional. None of the teams that I just listed off are particular surprises, and I think that makes this regional particularly tough because um, one of the teams that didn't get out was Pittsburgh A, who's the 78th ranked team in the country. Uh, but with none of the teams that did get out being a surprise and there being 
only seven bids, this is one of those regionals where you probably had more teams who maybe should get through, for lack of a better term, than could get mm-hmm. through. You also had Penn State B with four and a half wins. And, you know, we just saw Penn State D sweep their regional. So I don't think there were any huge shocks here. I mean, we play Pittsburgh fairly frequently. They're another well-coached team. I know their coaches, and, and it's a bummer not to see them get through a 22 and a half CS surely had something to do with that. Uh, so I think this one pretty much held to form aside from that. What are your thoughts, Drew? Yeah, I, for the most part, agree. I mean, Patrick Henry, Penn State, uh, these are teams that we were expecting to make it through, Illinois as well. Uh, I don't think that any of the teams I look at there and say, oh, wow, that team doesn't deserve to be there. They all definitely do. I think that you know a lot of people may be looking at four and a half win team making it and look at that open bid list and they're surprised. But I think that the the fact that a team made it with four and a half wins goes to show that there was a pretty hefty disparity between the top teams here and some of the other teams. Just from, I mean, when you look at the results, you've got three teams with more than seven wins, five teams with more than six wins. That's a pretty, pretty hefty margin. Um, and that's why you see such a drop off there. I did want to highlight, you know, Patrick Henry made a trek to get out there for this. I mean, they are a uh, normally a DC area team, and I am thinking all my lucky stars that they have moved away from our general regionals. But um, that they, you know, I think that I was maybe not surprised that they didn't do even better. I feel like Patrick Henry is just a, a really strong program, and um, obviously they still made it out, but definitely not as comfortably as as I was expecting them to do so. Um, and it, it goes to show that, again, there are a lot of these other teams that maybe they don't normally play that, that gave them a run for their money. Yeah, and, and the thing I'd say to that too is if you look a little – so like they, they go 4-0 on the first day. They do a plus 4, minus 4 versus Penn State A, who's another great program. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a plus 11, minus 1 to Pitt A. So yeah. I think – that very easily could have been seven and one, at which case then they're right. pretty close to the top of the bracket. Of course. You know? But yeah, I agree. I mean, Patrick Henry, we play them all the time. Uh, you know, they are, they just very good at what they do. Uh, and it, it is interesting to see them headed to Columbus. And I'm sure, like you said, they saw some teams and some programs that maybe they just didn't see as frequently. And, it, and look, it goes back to the episode we did with, with Adam Detsky, where you look at some of the teams in, in Ohio, you've got Penn mm-hmm. state, and Patrick Henry, you know, traveling out to Ohio and, and Pitt as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, you know, Pennsylvania, it's not as far of a trek, but getting some of the sort of DMV adjacent power out of these regionals is important. And I think they did a good job of that, getting some of these teams. I mean, look, I'm not complaining that Penn State <laughs> and Patrick Henry were in Columbus instead of Owings Mills. No, for sure. And uh, it's definitely nice to see those new regions being built, um, but also good to see that the a lot of the quote-unquote right teams are still making it and not necessarily um, losing out when they have to travel too far. Yeah. So moving on to the next region, we have Jackson, Mississippi, which had seven bids. First, Florida State A, next Georgia Tech A, then Georgia C, followed by Florida State C, then Georgia D, then Auburn A, and finally Georgia Tech B. Now, this regional to me is definitely uh, more surprising than some of the the first couple that we've looked at. Um, I think that just seeing you know 
Georgia managed to get four teams through to regionals uh, through regionals is is really really impressive, and goes to show that they are a really deep program, and uh, they're joining the the ranks of Chicago, Florida, UCLA, Rhodes, and those teams that routinely Chicago too I should say that are routinely getting four teams through, and it's it's a very very elite group that they are joining. Um, I think that the the big team that you know people paid attention to that didn't make it out here, um, being Georgia State. This is a team that made it to nationals last year, um, and they had a a CS of a whopping twenty four. Um, this is obviously very very high, uncharacteristically high. Now, not to take away from what is clearly a very very difficult strength of schedule. But I do think it should be noted that their last round went against Georgia Tech A, which is a team that went eight and zero, and Georgia State ended with a uh, two two and six overall record. If instead of playing Tech, they played an zero and eight team that they assumedly would beat, and they go to four and four with a CS of sixteen, I think that there's a little bit less talk there about you know their schedule being so rough. Um, Obviously, it's it's a much lower CS, but I think that it it should be noted that you know a lot of this is kind of inflated by that last round against an eight and zero, you know, basically guaranteed tech, um, and obviously they played four teams that all four are moving on, and you know that is something pretty rare and pretty tough to do. And clearly, had they played some of those lower ranked teams, they probably would have done pretty well and probably would have had a very different result. But um, I definitely think that 24 is deceptively high um, and, you know, something that we don't really see very often. Yeah. And when you break it down a little bit, it it's so interesting what you were saying about Georgia getting four teams out because Georgia State, you know, in round two hits Georgia D and drops a, a 10 and a four uh, and then hits Tech uh, – B and uh, drops a two and a 14. And at that point, you know, basically the weekend's over. Mm -hmm. And those are great programs, right? Georgia and Georgia Tech are both phenomenal programs. Uh, At some point, you got to get a ballot in there. And and that's not a shot against Georgia State. I I have no idea what the judging was like. I have no idea, you know, what the rounds were like. Uh, So this is more just practical analysis than it is me trying to say that Georgia State deserved or didn't deserve anything. But in order to get through regionals, look, yeah, they they had some bad luck. You know, the, the teams that they played hit tough schedules. Uh, and as a result, you know, Georgia State ran into some teams that they might not have expected to hit in, in the portion of the bracket they were in. But at the end of the day, you got to get ballots somewhere in those middle rounds and it's brutal even at regionals now it's brutal. So I feel bad for them. A CS of 24, mm-hmm. I know if my kids you know, hit a CS at 24 and went home, I'd feel terrible for them. I'd feel terrible for me. But <laughs> uh, I I agree with you that the round four, because they were in presumably the out bracket at that point, uh, mm-hmm. or at least they were at the very bottom of the high-low flip, uh, right. their CS is probably a little bit inflated. But it also, you know, say if they had stolen... Uh, not stolen, but if they had grabbed that minus two against Tech B, had turned into a mm-hmm. split in their three and three, they still probably would have been at the the weak end of the high low split and had a tough round four, and it would have been hard because of the teams they played. So, right, 
Right. I think that for the most part, just looking here was the only really notable thing here. Um, we had Florida state C get a team through, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. They're a good program. Obviously, you know, not too long ago was a, uh, you know, a national champion. Uh, but other than that, I don't think there was a ton else going on here. Yeah. I, I will say one team that I think again, may have snuck under a lot of radars just cause they're maybe not the most known team, but I do want to note them is, is Mississippi. They went four and no the first day and ended up at four and four, but with a 22 CS to me, that's a little bit, actually, in my opinion, more impressive just out of, you know, starting out that at going four and uh, going four and oh, the first day means that their third round was against Florida State A that went eight and oh, and that's obviously a very difficult third round. And then going four and two into the last round, they ended up facing University of Georgia, uh, their C team. And again, to, to the point that you just made, Ben, which I couldn't agree with more, you know, when you're playing, uh, you know, some of these tough teams, you have to find a way to take a ballot if you want to make it to that next level. But you can still be sympathetic of, wow, you know, that's really unfortunate. Oftentimes when you get to four and two, you want to believe that your next round is going to be against, you know, a team that you can take a ballot off of. And obviously that was not the case. And it's just always tough to see a team go four and oh the first day and then oh and four the second day. Yeah, I agree. And it just goes to show how difficult it can be to get out in these situations. It's, it's We're going to see it more as we go through even more of these regionals, but it's just tough, especially when you get into the middle of that pack and you, and you hit some really tough matchups. Moving forward to our next regional, which is Lawrence. Uh, this was another seven-bid regional. Uh, in order, we've got Northwestern A, Illinois B, Northwestern B, Nebraska A, Central Missouri, Cornell College C, and Illinois A. Uh, and this was another, for the most part, uh, standard uh, regional. We had a few interesting things. Nebraska A was a bit of, su- of a surprise. Uh, and then you had Kansas A, who's the 48th ranked team in the country, uh, who didn't manage, unfortunately, to get out of this regional. Uh, it was not a situation with a crazy high CS. Um, they uh, dropped a close ballot in round two uh, to Illinois, and then round three um, hit Northwestern B and it, and it didn't go well for them. And at that point they needed um, two ballots in, in round four and they were only able to get one. Uh, and so that was a little bit of a surprise, right? Kansas is a strong program. Uh, and then Cornell College C is impressive. You know, Cornell College is, is a great program. They do well every year. Uh, but to get their C team through was, I think, a little bit of a surprise. Uh, mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, you had a lot of the standard, I mean, Illinois and Northwestern and uh, you know, a lot of the teams that you see a lot in the, in the Midwest. Anything else stand out to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me that that I notice here, um, again, you kind of touched on it, uh, but I think that, you know, this was Northwestern's, just them putting on a show here um, and props to them for really doing that. Um, I think that, you know, you touched on Cornell College. Obviously, a C team is very impressive. Um, I think that Iowa, I was a little surprised at. Um, obviously, they... Their A-team made it to nationals last year. Um, This was not their A-team, but still, I I normally think of Iowa as being a fairly deep program, and I was a little bit surprised to to not see either of their teams making it out. Similarly, Truman State is another one of those teams that we see a lot of the time making it to orcs that uh, did not make it out of this region. Um, I also want to correct something that I said earlier. Um, I mentioned the teams that were in the top 50 that hadn't made it out, and we absolutely should include Kansas on that list, so that makes it... um, a, a fifth team 
this week to not make it out that was in the top 50. Um, and like you said, I mean, Kansas, they had a rough schedule. I think that they're definitely a team that I would have thought would make it out. But I mean, the loss that they had to Northwestern in that third round, that was Northwestern B and it was a 23-11 ballot. I obviously wasn't there. I don't know the judging, but that doesn't strike me as being that close. And the the loss in their final round to Grinnell, or the split rather, was a, a plus one minus 15. And again, I don't love to weight point differential too, too heavily, but both of those don't sound like they were, you know, right there and just barely missed it. Um, so, I mean, Kansas definitely is a, a historically strong program that will we'll be on the lookout for next year to hopefully make a nice rebound. Yeah, I agree. I think that your point about Northwestern is good. You've got a, a top 20 team who, you know, comes in and kind of dominates this regional. And like we've mentioned with a couple, you know, other programs that have gone eight and zero at various regionals, it's, it always kind of catches your eye, you know, when you have a team that's that good, who just comes in with a triple digit point differential and just kind of crushes the field. you, kind of flag that team. And obviously, I mean, Northwestern's just a great program and they do, you know, they're extremely successful every year. Uh, but even still, to go 8-0 at a regional and to have as much success as they had there uh, catches your eye in terms of thinking, okay, who are going to be the teams that we're talking about uh, in April as as the teams to to watch as people climb through the Nationals bracket? Absolutely, for sure. Well, next we have the region that everyone has been waiting for, New Haven, the 32 team. Yeah, nothing interesting happened here, I don't think. Seriously, we could probably just skip it, right? Yeah, exactly. There's, I mean, nobody really cares that much. No. So New Haven was a massive 32-team regional with eight bids, and the bids were allocated to Bowdoin A, UMass Lowell A, Brown A, Quinnipiac A, UMass Amherst A, Colby A, Yale C, and then Vermont A. And obviously missing off this list and everyone's list that could have possibly been thinking of who's going to make from this uh, break from this region is Yale A. But it should not be overlooked that Boston University A didn't make it either. Boston University is another team that uh, a lot of people would have expected to make it out. Um, and they didn't either. Um, obviously, they, they played Yale in that final round and they kind of <laughs> collectively knocked each other out. But um, yeah, I mean, how could Yale not make it out of this? I mean, truth be told, I I love Yale. I'm a big fan of them. It's not like their schedule was was impossible. I mean, it all it it came down in my opinion that first round. They dropped two to Colby College. I don't think many people had heard of Colby College in the mock trial circuit before, but everyone knows them now. They have knocked off our knocked the crown off of Yale truly um not many teams can make the claim that they have swept Yale and uh yeah I mean Colby College our eyes are on you now yeah I it's hard to know exactly what to say about Yale a not getting out because I mean just a couple weeks ago as you know they won the shutdown showdown and they're Yale A. They're just like objectively one of the best teams in the country. And I have no idea what round one was like against Colby College. I have no idea what round four was like against Boston University. I do think we have to think a little bit 
I have no idea how much the size of the regional played in. I, again, I, I wasn't there, so I don't know. When a team like Yale A doesn't get out of this regional, I, I don't know if I have a great insight into what it tells us, but I feel like it should just be a red flag because we know that a lot of the same people from last year's Yale A team that I know didn't have a ton of success at nationals, but you know, advanced comfortably to nationals and, and maybe some of their lack of success there could be attributed to the judges. And we've talked, you know, with back in with Nick Ramos about that, but I just, that's concerning to me, not necessarily for Yale. And maybe it also is a learning experience for them and them learning, okay, what, what did we do wrong here that didn't work for a few judges? Uh, same thing with Boston University. I have a lot of appreciation for that program. My law school mock trial partner that I went to several competitions with was a BU uh, program alum. I, they do great work there. And it's pretty shocking uh, to see them not get out. But when you look at this list, uh, you have a couple teams on here that, you know, I mean, UMass Amherst getting out and like you said, Quinnipiac and UMass Lowell and teams that maybe you wouldn't think would get in, get out ahead of Yale, but but did. So I, I don't know if I have any great answers, but it's certainly pretty shocking. Look, I played Yale at Shutdown Showdown less than a month ago. And I, to say stunned doesn't really encapsulate how I feel about this. I am pretty comfortable saying that they were the best team that I feel I've ever played. I thought they were absolutely spectacular. And they blew us out of the water. Like it, it was not a close round. You can look at the ballots all you want. I did not feel like it was close. Um, and to see them not make it out is, I mean, it was great fodder for my team to practice a little bit extra this week. But like, you're right. And like, how do you even begin to approach that? I mean, this is a team that a lot of people, you know, expected to make it back to nationals and to be in the final round and then to see them not make it out of regionals. Uh, you know, from when we spoke with Elizabeth, we know that their program's policy is the team that gets the bid goes. So if Yale B makes it to out of their regional next weekend in Princeton, this Yale A team will not exist anymore in, in the mock trial circuit. I mean, that is just insane to me. I mean, it is a, absolutely amazing spectacular team and i think that the only thing that i can possibly think to say on this and people are going to criticize me for this but i'm going to say it anyway because i can i'm of the belief that yale a does a lot of things that make them beat really good teams but it means that they can be prone to drop a ballot to a worse team and what i mean by that is that doing kind of outlandish case theories you know, kind of doing mock trial in a very different, maybe unexpected way that a lot of judges and, you know, you know, older attorneys may not be expecting means that some judges, it, it rubs them the wrong way. And you can play a team that you're probably more talented than, but that team beats you because the judge just didn't vibe with your style. And you know, it sucks. It, 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 it doesn't feel right. But I think that we noticed this happening a lot with, um, you know, the fact that Yale B didn't make it out of regionals for them last year, the fact that Yale A struggled so much at nationals. 
they are fairly reliant on judges liking their style. And I think that clearly the New York area, like they've got that stuff figured out. There's a reason that they are so consistently good at downtown. There's a reason they did as well as they did at shutdown showdown this year. But, you know, clearly they don't have every judge's number. And I think that you can compare them. Um, I know we haven't gotten to them yet, but when you look at a team like UVA, I feel a little differently about UVA and that I cannot, I, I can barely imagine a world in which Yale doesn't make it out. I do not think I can imagine a world in which UVA doesn't make it out. And I think that the difference is that UVA does such consistent, uh, such polished mock trial that it's just – it's really tough for a team that is not you know, really, really good – to stand up against them. I think that there's no judge that that doesn't like polish, that doesn't like really crisp, clear, loud, powerful statements, likable witnesses. Like that's just hard to beat. Um, and I think that's what UVA does and not a lot of people do it better than them. So from that perspective, maybe that's a lens to approach grappling with how Yale could have not made it out it's still obviously shocking, and I don't plan on getting over it soon. But to whoever judged that Colby round, are you sure? Yeah. I I don't have as much insight. I mean, we haven't certainly hit Yale A. We've hit Yale in unstacked forms in the fall, but we haven't hit Yale A at all, obviously. And it is just something that gives you a little bit of pause. And you just kind of have to stop and wonder, okay, um, what happened there? And and again, not to take anything away from Colby College, who went out and got those ballots, and good for them, and more power to them. But, you know, I mean, Yale is just one of the most respected and strong teams in the country, and it is remarkable to see that result. Um, and at least at BU is a great program. And the fact that that is kind of an afterthought um, mm-hmm. kind of tells us, I think everything that we, we need to know. But I mean, look at, look at that round between Yale and BU. I mean, it's a plus 20 minus three ballot. I think very highly of BU. I think they're a great team. I mean, Yale's point differential, I'm pretty sure was the highest in that in that regional. And that again goes back to that point I'm making of when judges get what they're doing and like it, they love Yale because mm-hmm. they're really, really good at that. But when you get a plus 20 minus three split, to me, that says one judge got it and the other one really didn't. Yeah. Well, we move on from New Haven to New Rochelle. Um, our friend, friend of the pod, Mike Gelfand and his program up at Iona, <laughs> uh, hosting a regional for the first time, which is awesome. Uh, we had an eight bid regional here, uh, and we had in order Harvard, a Brown B Tufts, a Yukon, a Yukon B Williams, a Wesleyan, a and Wellesley, a, uh, and Drew, this was an interesting one. Uh, you had a fairly large regional with a, a number of different teams. You had some traditional powers, uh, as well as some teams that uh, you know were a little bit surprising. It's interesting uh, and a little remarkable to see uh, UConn get both their A and their B team through. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvard is such an interesting team to me. You know, like we talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit before in previous episodes, I think, but they kind of seem to come on strong at the end of the season. You had the, you know, the 
the Yale Harvard national championship not too long ago. And, and they're, they're kind of a fascinating program to me in that I feel like they don't get as much attention maybe as some of the other power programs, but to see them, you know, have as strong of a performance as they did at this regional, uh, you know, to come out and go eight and with a fairly high CS Brown also went eight and which is impressive. Uh, but Harvard had a much higher CS, a point differential of 152. Uh, wow. yeah, I mean, that's, that's impressive. And it kind of shows you, you know, they might be flying under the radar a little bit as much as Harvard can fly under the radar <laughs> as a team to be reckoned with. Oh, for sure. I mean, I wouldn't go so far to say they're flying under the radar. I don't think anyone goes into a round against Harvard and expects anything but some of the best mock trial that is out there. Um, I haven't played them this year. I played them last year at Nationals, and I can say that they are a very, very strong team that, to my understanding, did not graduate a lot of people from that Nationals team and is returning a lot of really, really strong competitors that I have no desire to go up against. So I, I'm not that surprised by their strong showing. Um, I definitely think that it, it's representative of, of what we have to come from them, but they're good at what they do. So definitely not too surprising there. I, I think that you're correct in noting, I mean, Brown B's performance to go 8-0, definitely more surprising in, in my opinion. Um, you know, Clearly, it's a B team, but uh, Brown has definitely not had quite as strong of a performance um, as you would have expected this year, I would say. Um, but this is definitely, you know, turning in the right direction for them. They they had a fairly low CS of just 10 and a half. So take that result with a bit of a grain of salt. But still, I mean, you go 8-0 <laughs> with a 96-point differential. It doesn't really seem like that was a fluke. And, um, you know, I got to say, Ben, not to go back to Yale, but if I told you that of three of the uh, top Ivy League schools that were going this weekend, two of them would go 8-0, would you have guessed it was Brown and Harvard and not Yale? I know I wouldn't have. I, I definitely wouldn't have. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, Brown and Harvard are great programs. And so like, I'm not shocked that either one of them went 8-0, but I mean, <laughs> it just, you know, it, it it's hard to really find the right words it's 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 mm-hmm. one of those things where you 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 don't even really know what to say except that good for harvard and brown but at the same time you feel bad for the the good folks over at yale for sure well the last thing that we definitely have to shout out as you mentioned mike gelfand coaches iona and he would never let us forget if we didn't mention iona they unfortunately went four and four facing a tough schedule of both Wesleyan and Harvard um, in that final round. That is a rough pairing to get Harvard uh, as a four and two final round. I mean, you want to believe that you're getting power protected in that last round, and it certainly does not feel that way for Iona, I'm sure. So that does not feel good for them. Yeah, that's to be four and two and get Harvard. And I know, I mean, look, I remember at Owings Mills last year, Iona was 4-0 after the first day and just had tough luck on, on day two. And um, I know Mike works so hard with that program and mm-hmm. is such a, a good friend to both of us. And uh, you really hope, because they, they're talented and they work extremely hard. And one of these years, I really hope that, that you know, we hit him at Orcs a couple of years ago, had a great trial. And I, and I really hope that that happens again sometime soon because they're well-coached, they're good people, and, you know, they probably deserved better than uh to you know to get harvard in the fourth round at four and two mm-hmm. yeah that's not something anyone wants to see 
The next regional that we go to is Tempe, Arizona. We have seven bids coming out of Tempe. First, Arizona State B, then USCA, then UCLA A, then USC B, then UC San Diego B, then UC San Diego C, and then finally UC Irvine B. Uh, Tempe, Arizona, obviously a little bit further away from us now, um, but definitely I think that this was about what I would have expected. I think that uh, I'm surprised Pomona A didn't make it out, um, but you know, for the most part, it's a lot of those strong UC schools um, that we've kind of come to know are just pretty dominant over on the West Coast. I think that UC San Diego getting both their B and their C team out of this fairly tough regional um, is pretty noteworthy. I don't normally think of UC San Diego as one of the deeper UC programs out there, but you know maybe it's just something where if you're from California and you're a program that has more than three or four teams, you find a way to get them through. I mean, that is definitely becoming a pretty commonplace over there. I'll say that to me, the the biggest surprise, and this is just over uh, multiple different regionals now, is UCLA's, I hesitate, I hesitate to say lack of success, but the we've kind of come to think of UCLA as one of those programs that is getting three or four or even five teams through. And, you know, they've, they've had a couple of them struggle now. This was their, their C team that didn't make it out of this regional. And I mean, they had a four, three and one record with the CS of 22 and a half. So it was definitely not an easy path for them, but UCLA is definitely a team that we normally expect to see a little bit more that um, we're seeing a little less of this year for sure. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting result too. And like you said, they had a brutal schedule um, and fought to a, a winning record in the midst of that. And so like, you know, you certainly take that for what it's worth, but it, it you know, I think there was a couple years ago where they got five teams out and I, I'm sh- I think there's been a couple times recently where that's happened. Uh, and so that's certainly uh, a result worth taking note of. Um, other than that, it was also interesting to see Arizona State B, who's unranked, uh, take the tournament, you know, sweep it at 8-0, which is pretty remarkable and impressive mm-hmm. accomplishment. And it wasn't, uh, I think it was with a 14 CS, if I recall correctly. Yeah, 14 CS, yep. which is, you know, not super high, but it's not like it's a 9 CS. And, and so that's that's an impressive accomplishment. Um, agreed on Pomona. That was a little bit of a surprise. They're the 97th ranked team in the country, a pretty consistent Orcs team for the last couple of years. So, so, you know, you expect to see them get out. Uh, but other than that, like you said, you, you know, you USC and UCLA and UC San Diego, a lot of teams that you see on the West Coast, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> that was for once in my life, that dad joke wasn't <laughs> intentional. Um, but uh, yeah, so nothing too shocking here. It, it is interesting, you know, with with um, talking about Claremont last weekend and Tempe this weekend and then um, what Fresno next weekend, I think. Um kind of that how the these teams are getting spread out and how that's going to work but nothing here i think particularly shocked me from from the results well, i mean the 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 thing that i think i actually didn't even notice my first time through is the fact that you know university of arizona had two teams here that both went 4 and 4 we've got um uc irvine i believe that's their d no that's their c team i bought c team that had a th- 30 a three and five with a 23 cs so another one of these just ridiculously high cs's um this was definitely 
there were some tough breaks in this region. I think that it's one that people may not have been paying as much attention to just with so much of the focus being elsewhere in the country. But I mean, this was a a tough regional for a lot of these teams. I don't think, I think a lot of teams had really tough schedules to make it out. And um, I do want to go back to Pomona briefly. I think that, you know, obviously I'm always partial to the, the other small liberal arts colleges, but the surprise for me there was their their loss in round two to uh, UC San Diego B. And, you know, props to UC San Diego B. Sweeping that round is definitely uh, very impressive for them um, and should not be overlooked. Uh, you know, as I said before, UC San Diego is definitely one of those rising powers out in, in California. But um, I definitely would have expected Pomona to at least split that, um, if not do better. They're just a team that we normally come to expect a little bit more from. So don't know what happened that round, but that definitely – it just goes to show it's it's really tough to make it out of regionals if you get swept in a round, and that's kind of the name of the game is try to avoid that. Yeah. So we've got two left to talk about, and we move a little bit closer to home here in Williamsburg. Uh, Williamsburg was a seven-bid regional, and we had in order uh, UVAA, Johns Hopkins A, Richmond B, Rutgers B, William & Mary B, UVA B, and Georgetown B. This was an interesting regional. Um, none of those teams are particularly surprising. There wasn't anyone at this regional that maybe sh- you know we expected to get out who did get out. There were a lot of powerful programs, non-A teams here. You know, you had the, mm-hmm. the two at the top, right? So you had UVA and Hopkins, who were the two A teams that got out, and they were at the top of the group. Uh, and after that, you had a whole bunch of B teams mm-hmm. from strong programs who got out. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, you know, you did have uh, Penn C come fairly close to getting out and Penn A uh, not get out, which is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but other than that, I, I think the results were not overly surprising. Drew, what are your thoughts here? Well, you mentioned Penn C and I've lived in the city of brotherly love for four years now, so I have to do it. Uh, my brother is on that team and got his first attorney award at Williamsburg, so I'm really happy for my brother Alec. I'm really happy for him and and Penn C's team. Uh, to my understanding, you know they're very happy with their performance. Obviously, going five and three, and uh, you know having to face UVA in the first round, not exactly what you want to see, but they definitely rebounded pretty well and should be very very pleased with that performance, especially coming from a C team at a a stronger program like UPenn, um, and definitely surprising to see UPenn A uh, not have a better performance. Going 0-4 the first day is definitely not what we would have expected from a program like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you it's, a, it's one of those teams where they've kind of started to fall off the last couple of years, but you know, you definitely don't want to play them in round. I think they're kind of one of those weird ones where you kind of still have confidence that they're going to put together a strong team and not be someone you want to face. I think you you touched on this pretty well, Ben, but there were a lot of B and C teams in this region that that uh, that put up a good fight, um, and it was a really really competitive regional because of that. There were seven teams between. Um, Sorry, six teams between six and six and a half wins. That is remarkable to me. I mean, that is a really, really tight pack right there. Um, and it, it goes to show it was a very competitive regional. I think that uh, it should be noted University of Delaware mm-hmm. um, failed to make it out of this region. They're a team that people normally you know, would have expected to make it out. They're definitely one of those historical powers that is slowly kind of 
falling off nowadays. Um, hopefully, we'd we'll like to see them get back and figure it out. Uh, similarly, Drexel A um, had a tough four and four schedule um, and managed not to make it out. Um, and similarly, the last one is University of Maryland. Um, they're, uh, I don't know, Maryland is is becoming this weird team where they're, I don't know what to think of their program anymore because they, I mean, the Maryland rule was written for them. Like they are the, the crown prince of mock trial, if nothing else. I mean, they really back in the day were the top dog by all means of the imagination. And uh, they were a program that people were pretty used to seeing multiple, multiple teams getting bids to Oryx. And they've definitely sloped off a bit this year. Uh, I mean, even with the tough schedule, their teams are just not really performing the way that you'd like that we would kind of expect. And Zach Mundy over there is great and coaching them well. And it's definitely surprising to see them not be a little more successful. Yeah. So two things. Number one, the University of Maryland College Park. And two, <laughs> um, sorry, just had to do it. Had to, I have my brand. I got to stick to it. Uh, and number two, I think all of those are are completely valid at each of the teams that you noted uh college park's a great program like you mentioned zach he's a great coach uh i think with the turnover in in leadership there they're i think they're rebuilding a little bit but at the same time we're a year removed from their d team getting out of owings mills and their if i recall correctly their ot their a team their o team <laughs> uh their <laughs> a team uh dropping two minus one ballots in round four at orcs that if those had flipped or even one of those had flipped would have given them a shot to be at the nct last year so I, I think we count out College Park at our own risk. They may not be the, you know, NCT final round contenders that they were, you know, eight, ten years ago. But we we hit them all the time in different iterations, and they're always solid. And, and I know they're, uh, they do different things with stacking than some other programs do and stuff like that. So it is interesting, though. You know, I mean, their C&D teams used to be teams that were right. consistently at orcs and, and things like that. Um, Delaware is an interesting one. Delaware and Penn and Drexel. I think in a lot of ways, those go back to showing what we've talked about, and not to sound like a broken record, but what you and I have talked about a couple times in this podcast already, which is that teams that were traditional powers over the last couple of years, and I know your and I's definition of traditional power is probably very different <laughs> than you know people who are listening who maybe are have been involved in the mock trial for 10 years or at the college level or something like that. But, you know, since I've been competing and coaching, so eight or nine years at this point, uh, Delaware was a really strong program. I think they were a top 20 ranked team at one point. Penn and, and Drexel were really strong orcs contenders year after year. Uh, and it's not to say that people at those programs aren't doing anything right. Uh, we know people at those programs and, and they work really hard. And obviously your brother's at Penn, but you can't count on, past success being just the thing that's going to carry you forward anymore. There are programs. I mean, they look at the number of B teams mm -hmm. that got through at this regional. When you have five B teams getting through and a teams from Penn, Delaware and Drexel missing out, it just shows you that the level of depth that programs are developing, you know, Richmond and Rutgers and William and Mary and UVA and Georgetown, most of whom I think, uh, Almost all of those teams were at Nationals last year. Many of them have been at Nationals in the last couple of years. Uh, it's hard to keep up, and you can't – just because you're playing another program's B team doesn't mean that if you're your program's A team that you can really count on anything. Yeah, for sure. And it is good to note that this was Maryland's C and D team. I don't want anyone to get confused. Their A and B team is competing 
uh, this upcoming weekend in DC. Hopefully they will uh, prove me wrong and, and do a little better. Um, I, the, the last thing that I, I want to note um, is just, you know, we didn't really talk about them, but obviously UVA absolutely crushed it here. Um, their A team went 8 0, and without much of a doubt in most people's minds looking at it, um, their B team 6 2, very strong showing. I think the only surprising ballot um, from UVA B was the, the Rutgers C uh, drop. I think that I would have expected UVA to be sweeping that round, and, you know, Rutgers C had a three and five record with a twenty-two and a half CS playing both UVA B and UVA A, and then uh, also playing Richmond B. Uh, definitely not an easy schedule by any means of the imagination, and to come away with that with three and five, with only a point differential of six of minus sixteen, is in my opinion actually very impressive. I think that they uh, clearly showed that Rutgers is one of those programs trying to build out their depth. Obviously, their A team, their their B team, uh, made it out pretty easily despite playing UVA A. They swept all the rest of their rounds. So Rutgers is definitely a team that is looking strong and looking like they want to show their depth. And uh, while I definitely don't want to play their A team, seeing these results makes me a little more wary of their D team for sure if they have this type of depth. Yeah, I mean, with them getting a bid, their A team doesn't really need to come to Owings Mills this weekend. Right? Like, yeah, it's fine. Why? <laughs> Just take the weekend off, guys. Like, you can work Sleep it out it in. in the program. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, come you can come for the later rounds or something, but like, don't worry about it. It, you know, right? that's that's yeah. It was worth a shot at the very least. Right. <laughs> I will cover the fees for you guys. Right. No yeah, problem. Exactly. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we got one left. I think. Our last regional is Ypsilanti, Michigan. And in this regional, we had seven bids, first Michigan A, then Eastern Michigan A, then Michigan State A, Michigan C, Hillsdale A, Michigan State B, and then finally Hillsdale B. Uh, this regional, I feel like I said Michigan about a million times. Uh, yeah, they found a way to make it out uh, both Michigan, uh, Michigan State and Michigan University of Michigan, there we go, um, both sent both of their teams through, which is definitely um, very, very strong from both of them. Uh, Hillsdale sent two teams through, and then the only single program to make it through was Eastern Michigan. Um, it was pretty interesting to me that this was so program-dominated, it looks, um, between those three. Uh, and definitely the, the surprise here has got to be Rochester. I mean, again, this is one of those teams that I think not a lot of people were necessarily talking about because it's the same week that Yale A didn't make it out. But I mean, University of Rochester is a strong program that has made nationals for either two or three years in a row. I mean, that is to for them to all of a sudden not make it out of regionals was very surprising to me. And frankly, they didn't have such a shockingly hard schedule that I'm that, you know, I, again, I'm not trying to take away from it. I'm sure they're still a fantastic program, but I mean, they dropped both to Eastern Michigan. They split with Toledo. I mean, those are rounds that I would have expected them to at least come away from with three wins and to only come away with that with one, Uh, definitely not looking like the same team that, that was a nationals contender last year that uh, showed a lot of strength. I mean, I, I'm very surprised at this performance out of Rochester. Their trial by combat competitor Daisy uh, is still there, and to, she actually got an award there. So good, good for Daisy for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely just a surprising result from from Rochester. Yeah, 
it's surprising. I mean, Rochester B was in the NCT two years ago when we were in LA. They had two mm-hmm. teams there. Uh, and what I do want to highlight about Rochester is this is a brutal business. And if you look at their path, if you look at their round four, they had a plus nine and a tie against Case Western A. If that tie turns into a win, they're five and three, and they get the last bid out of this regional uh, by mm-hmm. virtue of CS. And it is just the nature of sort of the brutality of what we do with spending the amount of time obsessing over mock trial that one point mm-hmm. can make all the difference in that situation. And you feel really bad. I, you know, we competed against Rochester at Orcs. We had a last year, we had a great round. We split with them. Uh, I got to judge Daisy at trial by combat. She's a phenomenal competitor. They're a really great program. And they probably deserve to be at Orcs. And that's not to say that other teams at this regional don't, but they almost certainly deserve to be at Orcs. And to have a season end like that, you know, at four and a half, it's going to be tough to get an open bid. That's brutal. You know, it's just hard. You feel bad for the kids at Rochester who work really hard. And and like I said, we had a great round against them at at Orcs and, and really enjoyed it. And I think we just enjoyed talking to them and getting along with them. So this is this is hard what we do. And you just, at the end of the day, it comes down to one, two, three points from the perspective of a judge. And you have no idea what that judge thinks about mock trial and their preferences. And, you know, yeah, some of those earlier rounds, maybe they should have grabbed another ballot or two that, that, like you said, the, the Eastern Michigan round, like you probably need to get a ballot in that round, but you really feel for them. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think that the, the thing that's so – you're so right. It is so tough about this activity that so much is decided based on so little. And I mean the thing that's crazy is you know, you got to think like the people judging that round, they probably didn't realize they were making it a tie. I mean I feel like so many judges like, and eh, do I give this person an 8 or a 9, a 9 or a 10, a 7 or an 8? I mean this is a decision they're making on a whim that is having such big ramifications for people's seasons. And it, it really does. It's hard to see. It's heartbreaking. Um, and like you said, I, I fully believe that Rochester is an Oryx quality team that uh, to not see them make it out is definitely disappointing. I feel like, you know, I, I often say this to people a lot in that I'm of the belief that every 50 to 100 hours that you spend practicing beyond just memorizing your stuff and having it down cold is equivalent to maybe one or two points on a ballot. And what I mean by that is that if you're like, if you're much better than a team, I don't think that those hours of practice make a world of difference. But where they make a difference is when you're in a really tight round and you need one or two more points to get you the ballot. Like that's where the hours and hours of blood, sweat, and tears make a really big difference. And I mean, I think I, I, this is not saying that Rochester doesn't practice enough. I I don't know that they don't. I'm not trying to say that in any way. But to all the teams out there, really, you know, when you're looking at those ballots and you're saying, "Man, if we got one more point." Use that as fuel next year to practice that much harder to make sure you get that extra point. It is crazy in this activity that ballots are decided by so little, but every little point counts, like truly in every meaning of the word. Yeah, I I agree. And <laughs> it's a good message going into the last weekend that we have coming up this coming weekend. 
uh, if I recall correctly, we have 11 regionals coming up this weekend uh, with the condensed schedule. Um, looking at the AMTA website here, we've got Buffalo, Colorado Springs, Fresno, Houston, Louisville, Minnesota, Orlando, Owings Mills, Princeton, Seattle, and Washington, D.C. Drew, of course, you and I will be in the same location with uh, your A team and, and my A and C, or your A and B teams and my A and C teams at Owings Mills. My B team will be in Princeton. Uh, and I think we've both been sitting around for a while waiting for this weekend. It's now, and we're recording this on Tuesday night. It's just a couple days away. And uh, I can tell everyone out there that uh, just like everyone in the country, Drew and I are feeling stressed this weekend. We're recording this thing. It's past one in the morning now and we're fitting it in when we can, but these weekends are crazy. And it's, it's one of those things where you you just, you look at the, the craziness of what we just talked about and it's like, Oh, I could go to bed or I could go edit some materials for, you know, another hour or two. Yep. Oh man. I mean, you as a coach, I'm sure it is always stressful. This is my last regionals I'm going to go to. There is no sleep that I'm going to be getting this week. I mean, mm-hmm. how can I sleep when I could spend another hour polishing one of my speeches or one of my directs or crosses? I mean, how could I forgive myself if I leave regionals and it's not the way I wanted to? And I'm like, oh, maybe one more hour would have made the difference. Like, you, you just can't can't be thinking like that. So sleep is for the week this week. Yeah, it it it's gonna be one of those crazy weeks, especially with us hosting. And, and a quick shout out to our our friends at Stevenson, who's our co-host at at uh, the Owings Mills Regional. It's a huge regional, and they do an awesome job with so much of the logistics. So, yeah. all right, well, we have gone through each of those these regionals. Uh, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. If it's anything like this past weekend, we certainly will have plenty of storylines to go through. So. You know, Drew, good luck to you guys. I know we'll be competing yep. in the same location, so I hope your good luck doesn't come at the expense of, of <laughs> us and vice versa. But hopefully we're both, you know, able to celebrate uh, next weekend with the results that we're hoping for. Absolutely. I will see you there, just hopefully not in round. <laughs> right. I, I agree. And one way or the other, we'll have some good stories. For sure. So thanks as all, everyone, for listening. It's always a pleasure. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week to break down uh, the third week of regionals, hopefully we'll have the open bid settled by then. And we can look ahead uh, very, very quickly to the uh, Oryx rounds that will be coming up soon after that. So until then, for those teams that are left out there who are competing this weekend, best of luck. I hope that your last minute preparations go well. I hope that everything goes in your favor. And until we talk to you next, this has been The Mock Review with Ben and Drew.